Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I will be doing my player spotlight on the phenomenal Cheryl Miller. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so as promised, my player spotlight, I'm going to do that right about now. And I'm going to cover a player who, in such a short, brief time, flashed like, let's say, a comet. Uh, I mean, the talent was just there. It was just awesome. Uh, I remember first starting to watch basketball probably about 1981, you know, I started getting into my Knicks, of course, then college basketball, started checking that out, the men's, of course. And then I heard about women's basketball, the actual championship game being televised, uh, I believe, for the first time. And it was in 1983. And I heard about this USC team, and this freshman, her name, Cheryl Miller. Uh, you know, I'm a guy who likes to read the box scores and stuff. I saw she was doing some things. So I watched the game. And in that game, absolutely amazing. And then I just started, you know, watching them a little bit. But thing was back then, you, it's not like ESPN now where you're seeing the women's game every single day just about if you turn on the right ESPN channel but whether it be one two three so forth uh it was a it was a rarity to see these type of games so except when it was championship time and those things so so I started following her and I tell you what I have never seen a talent like this I've later on you've seen facsimiles of it but uh what she did was amazing so cheryl miller she was a forward 6'2 180 pounds she was born january 3rd 1964 in riverside california and she was born to the parents well her parents were carrie and saul miller saul himself was a high school uh, basketball star himself and a bit of a trash talker in his own right. So uh, obviously the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. You got Cheryl Bill who can talk the trash and I'll talk about her siblings in a minute. Uh, and Carrie, she was a registered nurse. Oh, uh, Saul also became a jazz saxophonist in Memphis. And Carrie was a registered nurse in Memphis, which is how they met. Her siblings, uh, of course, famously, we know Reggie Miller. That's her uh, little brother, who's, by the way, is a Hall of Famer himself. And now a sports analyst for the uh, Turner Sports. Then she has brother uh, Daryl. He was a baseball player. Uh, he played for the Angels, in fact, 
and he would later become a deacon in the Catholic diocese. Saul Jr., uh, who he himself became a jazz saxophonist, and he actually is one for the USA, the the U.S. Air Force Ensemble, so a military man as well as a jazz, uh, jazz player as well. And then Tammy, who became a star in volleyball and went to Cal State Fullerton, and now she uh, she earned a law, law degree when all was said and done. So Cheryl grew up in a athletic household, obviously. They had a basketball court in their backyard where they competed. Um, so that's where, you know, she developed the skills at that time. She was determined to be a top flight basketball player, so much so that she would be her little brother, Reggie, regularly. So uh, she had that competitive spirit and, you know, that, uh, Reggie himself says it, it rubbed off on him. So, um, you know, that's a tribute to her. So, so she ends up attending Riverside Polytechnic High School. And that's where her legend grew as a dominant player. She lettered her four years there, which is a big deal. Um, you know, given the fact, uh, her skills was so much so. And rightfully so. She led the team to an impressive 132 wins against four losses her entire career at uh, Riverside Polytech. She was a four-time parade All-American. She averaged 32.8 points per game along with 15 rebounds during her career. She was a two-time Streeter Smith National High School Player of the Year in 1981-82. And in her senior year, she scored a phenomenal 105 points in a game versus Norte Visa <clears throat> High School. She set records in scoring in a season in her high school career obviously so so of course she was bombarded with scholarships from all over the country uh it and it happened come down to two schools ucla who um oh by the way there was a documentary just done on her and, and usc called women of troy a must see by the way so uh so much of my research came from that and what I found otherwise. So um, so it came down to two schools, UCLA and USC. And from what she said, um, she had a verbal commitment for UCLA. So verbal commitment means I say I'm going. I didn't sign on the paper yet. So. Uh, so what happened was, um, after some urging from the McGee sisters, uh, Pam and Paula McGee, who were already at USC, uh, Cheryl ended up choosing USC. Uh, and in that freshman year, joining her and coming in was 
Cynthia Cooper. Uh, I'd love to do a spotlight on her one day. Her story's fascinating. And she came out of the city of Watts, so she was from the rough and tumble part of L, the L.A. area. So, And then upon Cheryl's arrival, Juliet Robinson, who was already there, she was wearing the number 31 jersey at the time. Cheryl Miller wanted it. Juliet Robinson uh, very aptly gave it to her upon her arrival. So she she knows what type of talent was coming in the door. So she acquiesced and uh, gave her her number 31. So in 1982-83, her freshman year, it was a rousing success. Uh USC was already uh, a power, but they just needed that one player to take them over the top. And that's what Cheryl did for them. Under the the coaching of Linda Sharp, who uh, legendary coach in her right, uh, here was Cheryl's averages as a freshman. 20.4 points per game. 9.7 rebounds, uh, 3.5 steals she was getting per game, 2.4 blocks, and over 55% from the field. So you're talking about a player who can play on both ends of the court and play well on both ends. So, so uh, and what their style of play was, they were a bit like, because at the time, remember, this is the 80s, early 80s. So you had Magic Johnson, who was, uh, of course, doing his thing over there with the Lakers. So here you have uh, this basketball team in the L.A. area doing some pretty significant things. So they actually became the ladies version of Showtime. So USC was pretty popular at this at this point but the one thing missing was a national championship so they finished the year number one it was flip-flopping between them and uh louisiana tech so uh and in fact the title game ended up being la tech versus usc under the coaching of Sonja Hogue, who was a brilliant, brilliant coach for La Tech. Uh, from the design of their uniforms, which had the sleeves, which was pretty unheard of at that time. And the fact that she called the team the Lady Texters instead of the actual Bulldogs mascot that the school has. So pretty smart about that anyhow the game so the game was between the top two teams in women's basketball and both had split their um split during the year uh usc actually went to la tech in their brand new arena and beat them 64 to 58 and then on a neutral site uh la tech uh, squeak by them uh, 58 to 56 so uh, and La Tech had uh, 
point guard there, Kim Mulkey, who you now know as a uh, uh, route women's basketball as a fine coach. And then Jan- Janet Lawrence was another uh, fine player that they had. So they had won the, t- the title the previous season. So this was a matchup of the ages pretty much. So, so what happened was La Tech actually led at the half 37 to 26. USC, let's be honest, they were they were nervous. They were pretty nervous coming out of the gate. Um, you know, it's one thing to do your thing, you know, um, kind of in anonymity because the games were really televised like that. But now they're on the big stage, so a little nervous. So in the second half, um, Coach Sharp basically said, you know what, you guys are, you know, too tight. Go ahead out there and press them and, um, you know, do your thing. So, and so they did that. USC rallied in the second half. And behind Cheryl Miller's 27 points and nine rebounds, they end up getting the win. Uh, 69 to 67. And a crucial play towards the end of the game, actually, with Kim Mulkey driving the lane. Uh, Cynthia Cooper steps right in front of her and she draws the offensive foul. So, um, yep. So, and then that was a key play in the game. And then La Tech tried to, um, you know, um, USC came down, scored, and then La Tech tried to tie the game, but to no avail. So, they ended up winning 69-67. So, walking in the door, Cheryl Miller gets a national championship. So, And with that performance, she gets the tournament's most outstanding player. Um, so, in this game, this team, rather, I think laid down the foundation for the ideas of a Women's Pro League, but nobody really had the gumption at the time to do so. But uh, they pretty much kind of begin the talking of that. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't come to fruition until uh, 13 years later. So so for the 1983-84 season, that was a magical season. But that season, uh, USC... That season played, you know, this year before they were kind of the hunter. Now they are the hunted. And actually got off to a hot start. Uh, Ten straight wins. Then they stumbled in midseason with losses to Texas, La Tech, and Old Dominion. So with those midseason losses, they kind of righted the ship and got back on track winning 14 straight. They enter in the tournament. They avenge a few of their regular season losses to Long Beach State and to La Tech to reach the finals. Actually, they ended up uh, in the final four against La Tech and beat them. 
Then they faced a Tennessee squad that upset the likes of Alabama, Georgia, and they uh, were able to avoid Old Dominion to get to the finals. They actually entered that tournament 19-9, and nine, so kind of a Cinderella story. And they had this coach who started out as a grad student coaching, getting uh, $50, $50 a week, uh, her name, Pat Summit. And uh, Pat Summit would become one of the legendary coaches in women's college basketball and an absolute favorite. One of my favorite coaches, male or female, uh, Pat Summit is. One day I'll do a spotlight on her. Phenomenal. Uh, so, so they end up facing this Tennessee squad. And with USC trailing, they trailed in the title game 28-26 to 26 at halftime. Again, Linda Sharp had to get in there and... Uh, tell them to play their game and do what they do. So, <clears throat> uh, so USC rallies late in the second half for the win, and they end up winning 72-61. to 61. And Cheryl Miller, once again, another most outstanding player um, for the tournament award for her. Uh, she finishes with 16 in the game, and again, Terrorizing on both ends of the court. So, and also the McGee twins uh, also helped them in that win as well, with uh, uh, I believe 17 points between uh, both of them had each. So, with that said, um, and then the thing was that game, that actual championship game was being played in LA, so immense pressure was on those three stars so much so they were all over print media they were they did television interviews about 75 of them leading up into the championship game and they were able to prevail so <clears throat> so with that game in the books summer would come and that means in 1984 the Summer Olympics were being played. And chosen for that team was Cheryl Miller and Pam McGee. Uh, Paula was left off the squad, unfortunately, and definitely should have been there. So, uh, so Cheryl and Pam joins the that team in 1984, who was coached by Pat Summit. So who understood the assignment. The women's team have yet to win gold. It was mostly dominated by the Soviet Union at the time. So that team also included Lynette Woodard of Kansas and Donovan of uh, Old Dominion, Teresa Edwards, uh, who we will later see in the women's dream team version uh and she's out of georgia and of course janice lawrence and kim mulkey of latech so you had a pretty dynamic team there in the pre-olympic trials in taiwan they went undefeated eight and zero with a 
win margin slightly under 50 points a game uh, winning margin. While Cheryl Miller, she led the team in points with a little above 15 per game. Rebounds, 4.4, and steals, 3.3 steals per game. And, like I said, with the games being held in Los Angeles, the teams, that team then dominated those Olympics with a 6-0 record, thus winning the gold, the gold medal. And again, she led in points with 16.5 points per game. She had seven rebounds, a uh, little above three, three steals, and also in assists, a little above four assists per game. So, um, so they get the gold, first time for women getting gold in the Olympics. So, of course, it's done with that dynamic squad. Cheryl will play two more years at USC. Uh, with a career year in her junior season, 26.8 points per game. This is upon the McGee's uh, graduating and leaving the school. So she had to carry the squad on her shoulders along with the likes of uh, Cynthia Cooper. 15.8 uh, rebounds, 2.7 blocks, along with um, nearly four steals per game. So... Uh, her junior year, though, they did lose in the re uh, the NCAA regional semis to Long Beach State. And then she came back for her senior year, averaging 25.4 points per game, 12.2 rebounds, four steals, and a block and a half per game. While shooting uh, impressive uh, 60.3 percent from the field as a senior uh, and actually in that 1985-86 season they would go all the way to the NCAA finals um, so this is her third finals appearance in her four years there but they would lose actually uh, to the undefeated Texans um, who went 34 and old that year under the coaching of uh, Jody Conrad, and they lost that game 97-81, to 81, a game where uh, Cheryl actually only had 16 points on 2 of 11 shooting. One of her not, uh, worst performances as a uh, collegiate there. Uh, and actually, upon graduating from USC, Cheryl received, um, well, she, she was drafted by several men's leagues, actually, including the USBL, which was kind of popular at that time, but not in the way of the NBA. So then that summer, she would go on to redeem herself uh, for the for representing the U.S. team. In the first ever Goodwill Games in Moscow. And that team was coached by the legendary coach Kay Yao. Uh, and that team ended up in those games uh, going 5-0 and 
including a finals matchup against the mighty Soviet Union. Uh, the Soviet Union and competitive play had a record of 152 against two losses. So, um, and they did that under the dominance of their great 7-2 uh, center, Ivalanya Semenova. So, uh, the U.S. would end up beating that team 83-60. to And then Cheryl, once again, would represent the U.S. one last time. And that's in the 1986 World Championships. And that was in Moscow a month later from the Goodwill Games. And then that team went 6-0. and And again, was set up for finals against the Soviet Union. Uh, and once again, they beat them 108 to 88 with Cheryl Miller leading the way in what ends up being her last uh, competitive game um, in terms of in a, uh, you know, a competitive setting. Uh, she led the way with 24 points to beat the Soviet Union to get the gold in the world championships. So, and then, uh, after all this, Cheryl in playing a pickup game against NFL players, Cheryl in an attempt to step over a player that was on the ground, she stumbles and tears up her knee. Um, in her words, she heard a pop in, in her knee. So she goes to the doctor. Uh, doctor tells her that she will never play basketball again. So uh, there you have Cheryl Miller at age 22 told she could never play basketball again. Thus robbing us of seeing her, you know, you know, once you leave school, you have opportunities to go. Because remember, there was no... WNBA, so you have the opportunity to go overseas, make your money there, so forth. She was robbed of that opportunity, unfortunately. So, um, so upon that, she ends up as an assistant coach at USC, as well as doing some TV uh, sports casting. So, um, so she, uh, you know, posts basketball she's still close to the game being the assistant coach with USC and then uh the sports casting which plays a big part in her post basketball career um after the firing of Marianne Stanley she ends up being named the head coach of USC in 1993 uh she coached there for two seasons she actually coached uh, Tina Thompson, Tina Thompson of uh, Houston Comets fame in the WNBA. So she coached her. Uh, and that, actually her teams for those two seasons, uh, one year made it to the Elite Eight. And then uh, the following year, she was uh, her team was knocked out in the first round. So and then during... Uh, during those years up to about 1991, oh, no, 
I'm sorry. Uh, the sports casting she ended up doing was for ABC and ABC Sports and ESPN. And she did that kind of off and on between 1987 and 1983. So she was juggling both jobs, basically the assistant coaching, then the coaching. And she was also doing uh, her commentary work, including uh, 1987 Little League World Series. And she was also on site for the 1988 Calgary Olympics. So she also did commentary work for the 1994 Goodwill Games and also for the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. And this is the one in which the women's dream team came to life uh, with the likes of uh, Lisa Leslie, Dawn Staley, Rebecca Lobo, Teresa Edwards, who I mentioned previously with the 84 team. She comes back with the uh, 96 team, uh, phenomenal team that they had there. Cheryl Swoops as well. And then she's, um, Cheryl would sign on with Turner Sports in 1995. And she stayed there for 18 years. She worked for NBA on TNT. She worked for NBA TV, TBS Sports. And she also did some 2K Sports uh, for NBA 2K for the video game. So, uh, so she was using a variety of roles, mostly sideline reporting. Uh, she was able to talk to many of the stars in the NBA and they saw her as someone to be respected. They were always willing to give her uh, the respect she commanded. So she became the first woman to serve as an analyst on a nationally televised game in November of 1996. Uh and then once the NBA, the, not the NBA, the WNBA was formed in 1997. She was named as a coach of the Phoenix Mercury. And she coached there from 1997 to 2000. So she stayed there four seasons. She finished with a record of 70 and 52. They made the playoffs three of those four seasons. Made it all the way to the finals in 19... 98 uh her star player was jennifer gillum as well as bridget pettis uh, so they made it to the finals and actually um lost to the houston comets whose star player was her college teammate cynthia cooper so um so things coming full circle for cheryl miller and actually, upon her leaving the Phoenix Mercury, who replaced her at Phoenix? None other than Cheryl Cooper. So, so their stories are intertwined, as it seems. So, so after leaving Turner Sports in 2013, uh, in April of 2014, she would become the head coach at Langston University. And this was in Oklahoma. There she stayed a couple of seasons. She finished 
uh, 49 and 12 with two NAIA tournament appearances. Uh, and then at, upon leaving Langston, she would, uh, in May of 2016, she became the coach of Cal, uh, California State at Los Angeles. And she coached there till about 2019. So, um, yeah. So, Cheryl Miller, uh, again, one of those phenomenons you see rarely in a lifetime and just a tremendous talent. Here's her accolades, guys. Uh, at USC, she set school records in scoring, rebounds, Field goals made, free throws made, also in steals, and in games played. Uh, she had the blocks record, but Lisa Leslie would later edge her by one in that department. So she's a two-time champion, winning those titles in 83 and 84. Uh, Three-time Smith Player of the Year two-time Honda Sports Award, uh, two-time uh, WBCA Player of the Year. Um, that's the Women's Basketball Coaches Association uh, Award. She won the Wade Trophy in 1985. The Sullivan Trophy she wins in 1986. And that goes to the Outstanding Amateur Athlete. And this covers all athletic sports. Her jersey is retired to number 31 in 1986, but officially really in 2006. Uh, she was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 1995. The International Sports Hall of Fame four years earlier in 1991. The Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, she was actually in the inaugural class in 1999, and then in the FIBA Hall of Fame in 2010. She was also named the Player of the Decade for the 1980s, and that was done by the WBCA as well. So, uh, here's what others had to say about Cheryl Miller, Gina Ariema of... UConn, uh, the coach there. She was unique as fast as your guards and as strong as your post players. Doris Burke, <laughs> pretty simple. She was a bad mofo. Well, you know, she used the actual words. She was unafraid to be unabashedly good. Uh, she changed the she changed the game she changed the dynamics of women's basketball. Uh, that's what Doris Burke says. Uh, Doris Burke, we know, is the NBA analyst who, too, was a uh, a college uh, basketball player in her own right. So, um, somebody who's known and seen it all. Jackie McCollum of uh, sports journalists. She was unbelievable. Uh, she never saw a player do what Cheryl could do. Nancy Lieberman, one of her peers, uh, pretty much uh, a basketball star herself. 
she was a mega star, a mega player. Kim Mulkey, her competition at La Tech and then later a teammate on those uh, international teams, she was the face of women's basketball. And then her teammate, uh, Cynthia Cooper, had this to say. It's a shame that the world didn't get a chance to see her play basketball because she was the best to ever do it. So, uh, so high praise, high esteem for, again, one of the players that drew me to, uh, to checking out women's basketball, uh, college basketball in, uh, eventually pro basketball with the WNBA. So, uh, Cheryl Miller, we salute you. Uh, a talent like yours. Uh, again, we've seen facsimiles of it. We've seen the uh, Shamika Holes calls, who, by the way, um, I would love to do a spotlight on her because I think uh, she's a talent that has people have really forgot about. But um, she's in the Women's Hall of Fame, but I believe she belongs in the Naismith Hall of Fame, to be honest. And then Maya Moore, uh, those uh, player like that, you see uh, also a Candace Parker. Um, all, those, all those players, uh, they knew about the legend of Cheryl Miller and pretty much modeled their games after her. So, uh, again, you see facsimiles of it. But Cheryl Miller was one of a kind, guys. So, again, Cheryl Miller, we salute you. Uh, we wish we could have saw you play amongst the pros in, in, in pro women's basketball. But, again, that didn't come, on, come until later on. Uh, but uh, we salute your talent and what you did for the sport of women's college basketball and women's sports as a whole. Uh, one of more influential players, influential players of the 20th century as well. So, all right, guys. So that's the player spotlight there. Uh, I will have a special episode that I'm going to do. I'll do my review next week, but I'm have a special uh, episode. Uh, I plan to take a trip and that kind of incorporates with the podcast here. So. I'll give you details later, guys, all right? Again, I thank you for listening as always. And once again, be careful out there, be safe, and we'll talk soon. So, my peeps, if you enjoy what you're listening to, you can follow me on my Facebook page, GD That Sports Dude. You also can follow me on Instagram and TikTok, at GD That Sports Dude. And also on Twitter, you can find me at GD That Sport Dude. Also, you can email me at That Sports Dude GD at gmail.com. You can also support me through my Zelle at that same email address. And also on anchor.fm slash GD That Sports Dude. You can hit the support button there to contribute to this podcast and also like me there as well. And again, 
I thank you for listening to this content.